The attempt is brought to you by Gossamer Gear, manufacturers of functional ultralight backpacking gear designed by hikers. I've been a user and big fan of Gossamer Gear packs dating all the way back to 2012 when I was first introduced to their Mariposa, the 60 liter lightweight internal frame backpack. I've since downsized to the Gorilla, Gossamer Gear's 40 liter pack, which I used for the duration of my Pacific Crest trail through hike in 2017. I choose Gossamer Gear packs because not only are they lightweight, but they can also comfortably carry a heavier load for when I'm leaving town with too much food, snow gear, and or enough water to cover a 25 mile dry stretch. I'm also a user of several accessories sold on Gossamer Gear's website, including their hipster fanny pack, their shoulder strap pocket for my iPhone, and the Lightflex hiking umbrella to protect my fragile ginger skin against the sun and also rain. Gossamer Gear is also the maker of The One, their popular one-person trekking pole tent. It has been said to be the one you need. Listeners of the attempts can score a 15% discount at gossamergear.com by using code THEATTEMPT15 at checkout. Again, that's 15% off your cart by using code THEATTEMPT and the number 15, all one word, at checkout at gossamergear.com. This deal is only good for a limited time, so don't wait. Previously on The Attempt. Hey, it's Ben. Uh, it's first night of... Uh, it's uh, day three. Um, it day is five. Day 16, I believe. Day 17. Day 18. Day 20. No idea what day it is. Yeah. It's a good day. I have been averaging 20 miles over the past few days. And wow, holy goddamn, that really is not fucking easy. Uh, I'm walking with this guy, Odie. Odie is short for outside dog. He is just a fascinating dude. I am about 100 yards away from Bridge of the Gods. Let's fucking go. You're listening to a podcast my sister makes. <laughs> it's called The Attempt. See what you're trying to do. Hello from Oregon. It's Sunday, uh, 17th or 18th of August, I think. And I am now south of Cascade Locks. I actually, I was going to just kind of zip on out of there, but I started to do the smart thing and listen to my body, and instead of leaving at noon yesterday, I took a nap, and I guess I hadn't realized how much I needed the rest. Um, I think I'm getting better at identifying when I need the rest, and also getting better at accepting the fact that that's not being weak, um, which is a hard thing for me to grasp. Um, But yeah, so I stuck around and, and also got to enjoy trail days, which is kind of this like cross between like a cross country meet and like what I imagine freshman year orientation would be at like a very liberal, liberal arts college. Did a little bit of shopping, got a new shirt, new state, new shirt. Um, Yeah, so now what's ahead of me is Oregon, which is about 400 miles. Um, People say it's very flat once you get over, once you get out of the 
the gorge, which is where I am right now. Yeah, next stop for me is the Timberline Lodge. I hope to be there by tomorrow afternoon. More thoughts later, but that's what's on my mind right now. One thing we haven't spent much time on in this podcast is talking about mileage. But it's something Benjamin is always thinking about. In the beginning, 20-mile days were exhausting for him. Now he's doing 25 easy. And with every week, he keeps raising the bar. He just wants to go farther and faster. And the whole thing is one big equation with lots of variables. For example, packing up camp in the morning. Because the less time he spends getting ready, the more time he can spend walking. Good morning. It's about 6.40. Started walking 15 minutes ago. I've gotten my time down from alarm off to hiking to an hour and a half. But it's still pretty slow. And I think bandaging my feet, putting my contacts in, taking a morning poop are all things that really slow me down. I mean, some people get up and just leave in like 30 minutes. That's insane to me. But whatever. Today, I started out 22 miles from Timberline Lodge. I need to catch a bus from Timberline into a little town to buy some more bars because I didn't bring enough of those. Depending on the bus schedule, I could get in and out and then keep hiking. And we'll see how quickly I get to Timberline. So, yeah, that's another part of the equation. You have to get your logistics right so that you're not leaving any miles on the table by missing a bus and then having to wait until the next day to keep hiking. But the thing is, if he wants to make it to that bus in time, he has to do this constant mental math. So I have 22 miles to do today from when I will come. I have a deadline because I want to be Timberline Lodge. So that means 22 miles. Breaking it up. What was it? Two and a half hours. I had done just that. Seven exactly. Two and a half hours is a third of my day. Looking at the fact that elevation changes after the ten and a half hours, I rest and have a soup. I rest and have ups and downs. Every two and a half hours, I get minimal rest. So that really means I have eight hours of hiking today. Then I kind of go crazy over the details. Even though the kind of math suggests I should be fine. I say, okay, but what if something weird comes up and I need an hour to deal with a second? And the problem is, I kind of don't stop there. I just keep on like checking in to constantly check if I'm on pace. So, yeah, that's a kind of an example of crap I do all the time with Miles. This is exactly what I would do too, and it sounds exhausting. But at least in this case, the math seemed to work out for him, and he made it to the shuttle with two hours to spare. Good morning. I did make that shuttle, so that was, felt like an accomplishment. I did 22 miles by 4 p.m. Felt hard, but really satisfying. So I took that shuttle into government camp um, and got my resupply there, bought some bars. I got some good fruit, delicious, but I was still hungry, so I went into the restaurant, 
ordered like a turkey burger and fries and a Coca-Cola. I'm standing, sitting near the TV at the bar and this guy comes up to me. Ooh. Whoa. What are those animals? Elk? Oh shit. That was really fucking cool. Two big elk just crossed the trail in front of me. Whoa, that was awesome. Okay, so anyway, Vietnam vet comes up and asks the score of the Little League World Series and we start talking and I told him to bring up a chair. And we're in this tiny little kind of touristy town. Then he tells me he's homeless and he's been, been evicted. And we kind of just go through his life story and what just fucking killed me was how similar backpacking is to being homeless, you know, the weight on your back, the kind of the uncertainty of where you're going to sleep, the meals, the exposure. I just felt like such a jackass for choosing to do this. And this, he was such a nice guy too. I just felt really bad for this guy. He was trying to get to Bend. So I bought him a meal and uh, gave him some money to get to the, you know, hopefully transportation, but I just, I don't know, it was a sort of bittersweet for me. Um, I was catching the shuttle back in, up to Timberline, and this is like, like this little resorty thing, and I was chatting with some tourists who were curious about the trail, waiting for the bus. I get on, and after about two minutes, I hear brass, and Odie, the guy I'd been hiking with, the hiker yearbook guy, was in the back of the bus. He had been into Portland to see a doctor, then caught a series of buses and wound up going on the same little bus back up to the Timberline Lodge, which was just so damn funny. And felt pretty serendipitous. So then we linked up again and hiked five more miles night hiking through this kind of incredible sunset then I was talking about using my headlamp um it's getting dark he goes yeah I don't really I don't really hike with the headlamp for me the trail glows what he meant was because it's been trampled down it, you know it actually does in like the dull kind of starlight it is illuminated a little bit and it you know stands out from the plants and stuff but I thought that was like maybe unintentionally uh, kind of revealing about his character I mean he's someone who like honestly doesn't really have a home um, I think he would probably say the trail is his home I like that for him the trail glows I think that's probably what I'll remember about him that and his shingles and his nicotine withdrawal. This is something that continues to surprise me about the PCT. These guys are covering hundreds of miles a week, moving at different paces, taking detours, and they still manage to cross paths over and over. And I think it makes the trail feel smaller, like home. And for the people who choose to hike it, I think the trail does glow. It's like this beacon a singular line that draws people to it to simply travel in one of two directions on their own two feet. 
And the simplicity of that line is also what allows for magic to happen. Literally, it's called trail magic. And it sounds something like this. All right, go ahead. You can say your name and what, what's going on. I am Mary Kay Taylor. I'm here with my friends, and we are trail angeling today, offering PCT hikers some refreshment. And it's great to uh, hear their stories. We're kind of wannabes. We want to do some stretches of this ourselves. We're all in our early 60s. We're just getting out of our 50s, so this is this is a thrill to talk to them and why they are going on the PCT. Wow, that trail magic was just freaking incredible. It is so nice. I mean, they did not need to do that. What a nice thing. Um, Odie and I were the first southbounders to hit it. And so now, as we walk south, everyone who we meet walking north for the next honestly like hour um we tell because no one told us we just showed up and that was awesome but when you pass another hiker and they're like hey i'm in uh trail magic two miles across the highway people just go yeah the fucking way that's awesome and it's really fun hold up is that someone coming I don't think so. I don't like to look like I'm talking to myself. But yeah, while I was there, I had two chicken jalapeno bratwursts, one bag of chips, several handfuls of tortilla chips, one apricot pastry, one blueberry scone, one string cheese, one half bagel with cream cheese, uh, Coca-Cola, Life on the trail seems to be full of repetition. You walk step after step, you put up your tent, you take it down again, over and over and over. And so these unplanned moments must be all the more incredible because they catch you by surprise. But a lot of the time on the trail is just about that repetition. Walking by yourself, day after day. All right, it's just after 7 p.m. Tuesday, August 20th. Just about every day, if I'm still walking at this time, I kind of feel a lot of different things. Um, One is I kind of feel lonely, even if I'm walking with someone. I don't know why that is. Um, my feet are always hurting. Those last two miles always seem to really crawl by. But yeah, no, I'm, I feel tired. I feel a little antsy. Sometimes I feel a little like, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. Um, kind of pessimistic um, with the number of miles in front of me. One thing that doesn't help is, you know, some of the northbounders are really, really nice and supportive, and, you know, some are not. But the ones that bother me the most are the ones that are really patronizing, because obviously they've gone along a lot further. There's a guy today who, with the trail magic, not telling me I was slow, but, you know, saying, 
30's nothing. Um, and then other people who just kind of, you know, think that they're leading a TED Talk about how great their trip has been and how much they've accomplished. I'm like, yeah, they have, and maybe I'll be that obnoxious in a little bit, but uh, it just rubs me the wrong way. There's a lot of different kinds of people out here. Some are awesome. And I just think I shouldn't get too worked up about the other folks. Okay, I need to focus now because we're going downhill. This makes so much sense to me. The northbounders Benjamin's meeting through Oregon are pretty darn close to the end. They're feeling good, they're doing these long, fast days, and Benjamin is a competitive guy. So he sees that and he pushes harder. 27-mile days, 28-mile days, walking faster, getting up earlier, hiking later, and pushing like that can be painful. It is Wednesday, the 21st of August. Um, started walking about 10 minutes ago. Um, God, it is one of those mornings when fucking absolutely everything hurts. Oh, let's see. Start with my right foot. The heel has a blister inside of a callus. It hurts when I take steps. Left foot has in the big toe a blister kind of between the toes and the Try to out of the foot, stings up, but also blisters on the heel. The upper back is really tired from the legs are okay. Ankles are okay. Man, I'm just feeling in addition to my oh yeah, I also have a cold, so I noticed that when I used to feet. My feet are warming up a little bit. Still figuring things out. It's only like day what is it, day thirty? Seven, I want to say. Is that possible? 15th of July. 31 days. Yeah, I think it's 37th day. So, yeah, figure it out. Um, holy shit. I'm so fucking cold and everything is wet. I don't want to leave my tent. Sun's not coming out. Uh, I'm just going to eat in here until I warm up. God damn it. Oh my god, I'm fucking cold. Uh, I'm gonna eat all my food and just that'll warm me. Okay. Wow. Last night was low. I was so fucking cold. I was so fucking wet. I was not dressed warmly enough. Man, it's low. But this morning, pop out of my tent, pack it up. Bag feels light. Skies are clear. It's still cold as shit, but 
Mount Jefferson is out and about. Clear sky, fighter pack, really bringing the mood up. Okay, so today is Sunday, uh, August 25th, last Friday. I did make it to Sisters, and I was kind of going through this thing at that point where I just kept on reminding myself to smile, and that was really helpful because I'm out here to have fun, and when I reminded myself to smile, I had a lot more fun. And uh, got there at 12.30, so like right on schedule. Felt pretty proud of that. Um, Josh and I split a room at the Sisters Inn. And there were some other cool folks in town. The Machine was in town, and uh, Swiss Miss was in town. So the next night for dinner, or next night we all got together for drinks and dinner. And then Swiss Miss, The Machine, and I headed out early. And uh, man, I like Sisters. I like the bakery, um, I like the vibe there. Didn't like that Josh uh, turned on Fox News until like one in the morning. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes, I guess. He's a funny dude. He's just like always high and like always confused, always walking the wrong direction. Um, trying for my first 30 mile day, but also being very conscientious of the fact that miles don't equal success or happiness. And I don't know, I met this guy Kermit at a trail magic station today who was saying like how happy he is to be hiking and he said something that he's like the sorest muscles in his body are his face muscles because he's been smiling so much I thought that was lovely okay we're going up a hill now I'm going to stop recording with every week on the trail I think Benjamin is getting better and better at reminding himself to smile and it makes such a difference. Like, remember how earlier Benjamin mentioned that hiking during sunset made him feel lonely and pessimistic? Well, check out this recording. Same state, same time of day, he's hiking alone. But this time, he doesn't sound lonely at all. Okay, this is really fucking incredible. So, I'm at, it's like 8.45, it's getting dark. There's this incredible sunset. I'm in the Obsidian Falls limited entry area, I think what it's called, in Oregon, like Central Oregon. And basically, no one's allowed to camp in this two-mile stretch, so i got to walk through it, even though it's getting dark. Um, and I'm just going to camp just at the edge of it on the other side. And my man, the machine, the Belgian doctor, is uh, waiting for me. Hopefully at the campsite. I haven't seen him, in, which is fine. He walks really fucking fast, so I guess why he's called the machine. Looking up, I can see. I don't know what planet that is, but it's either like Mars or Mercury or Venus. I see the International Space Station. Um, an incredible sunset. But holy shit, is it so like fucking cool to be here? Oh my god. <laughs> uh. It was great. And I just, oh man, I spent time with cool people today. I had good, like, 
felt connected to other humans. And right now it's just so darn beautiful. I'm trying to do what Odie taught me and not use my headlamp. Ooh, you, can, you might be able to hear we're coming up to a stream. The trail is kind of glowing and the red sunset in the back, it's kind of illuminating it. Today someone told me, or someone asked me, are you doing this to feed your ego or feed your soul? Yeah, this bad, he meant like the PCT. That's a good question. Um, at points I think about my ego, like, you know, it'll be cool to have said, I did the PCT, but that's not when I'm like enjoying it. When I'm enjoying it, like, this shit feeds my soul. I mean, it's just so darn pretty. And just, like, just fucking cool. Oh, my God. I have to do a stream crossing in the dark. <laughs> this will be fun. Oh, wait. Do I? Yeah, I do. Putting the phone down. That was really fun. <laughs> Man, this is a good fucking moment. Uh, um, okay, it's getting actually dark here. I'm gonna put on my headlamp. Can't turn the recording off. So remember how earlier I said that Benjamin was trying to go farther and faster? Well, I think this is the point on the trail where Benjamin changes the equation. It isn't just how many hours per day do I have to hike to cover this many miles. Now there's this other axis to measure along. Is he hiking for his ego or for his soul? And if the mileage part is about ego, then the gratitude part, the feeling peaceful in the woods part, the noticing the beauty around him part, those are all for the soul. Of course, his speed is still important, and he's still competitive, so mileage doesn't stop showing up in the recordings. But it sounds to me like it takes a bit of a backseat to the other stuff. Um, yeah, so yesterday was pretty cool. Got to camp, had a nice dinner, mashed potato, ramen, and tuna all mixed together. Um, woke up this morning, and the other person in the tent turned out to be Odie. So our paths intertwined once more. So this morning, the three of us kind of head out together. Uh, Odie put a rock in my bag secretly, uh, which was a great prank. Um, I found it at lunch when he, before he got there, put it in his bag when he arrived. Yeah. You know, step by step. Trying to remember wise words of a funny dude I met named Schwing said, you know, just feel peaceful in the woods. I like that. Feeling a little like tired. I've done my longest like you know stretch of miles in two days yet. Didn't hit 30 yesterday, um, but I think it's wearing on me. So I'm gonna try to listen to my body more. And if I get tired today around 7, I'm going to stop walking. 
stupid high desert has me getting nosebleeds all the time because of the dryness and the altitude. So, woke up last night like choking on my own blood and my nose, which was icky. Um, slept pretty well besides that though. Uh, it's Wednesday again. Um, around exactly 8 o'clock at night, and I am in bed, ready to go to sleep. I actually took my own advice, and I decided that after kind of what felt like a short day, my body was tired. Hiking, as this one guy I met the other day said, uh, is supposed to be a leisure activity. <laughs> Belly full of food, pooped, brushed my teeth. Not in that order, to the other, to the opposite. Last night, going to sleep early was incredible. I feel so much better. I think I'm gonna learn from that. <sighs> okay, that's all. after 10 p.m., so I'm going to go to sleep pretty soon, but I had a pretty solid day. I made it to Shelter Cove, where I got my box, and my new shoes, and the really nice cookies that Ethan and Zena sent. Made a huge difference in my happiness. Um, I was a little kind of 50-50 on the other folks at Shelter Cove. Like, for example, two of them are, like, kind of whining about how their moms are, like, concerned about them. They're like, oh, yeah, it's so annoying. I'm like, dude, your fucking mom is cares about you. Just let her check in with you. And they were saying, yeah, I'm not going to call her all the time. I was like, call your mom. Jesus. And these folks have clearly lost touch with reality. Because this, what we're doing is a stupid hike. Family strikes me as so much more important. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I'm good to sleep. I'm exhausted. The effect of social pressure on the trail is so fascinating to me. These hikers are all trying to get away from society, but then of course they're basically making their own out there. Benjamin talks a lot about reminding himself to hike his own hike. Because if you're not careful, you can get swept up into other hikers' baggage. There is one force on the trail that I think informs a lot of Benjamin's more ambitious choices. And that is FOMO. Fear of missing out. FOMO can be social, like wanting to catch up with friends at a certain town. But sometimes it's just about seeing a certain sunrise from a specific ridge. Um, today is, I don't know, screw it, I'm not even going to try anymore. Um, so I had this dilemma yesterday where I didn't know whether or not I wanted to push up to this ridge right below the highest point in Oregon. Um, 
and I kind of had this debate about I wanted to go because I wanted to see the sunrise the next day and I really didn't want to miss that and I'd be kicking myself if I would. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Bye, have a good day. You too. <laughs> Oops. Okay, so she definitely thinks I'm talking to myself. That's all right. Um, <laughs> anyways, there was rain and thunder, and I was like, screw it. I'll just camp here at the junction four miles away. I put a lot of stock in those things because I feel like if I make the wrong decision, I'm really going to regret it, and I have only myself to blame. And I was kind of angry that there was nobody else involved in the decision-making process. Like, if I had a hiking partner at that point... They could have weighed in, but it was just me. Anyway, I went to sleep. Woke up at like 3.30, 3.45. Went and then was kind of tossing and turning until 4. And I was like, oh shit, if I pack up now, I can hustle and make the sunrise up top. Well, I kind of missed the best. Well, I missed the first half. But then just before the campsite, I got to this pile of rocks about half a mile away, and I was like, screw it, this is it. And I sat there and I watched a really beautiful sunrise. Second half of one. Um, at like 5.45, 6 a.m. And I was happy that I made that. Um, so I felt a little bit better about that decision then. I was like, okay, you know, I did this. Like, I saw the sunrise and most of it. I got a good night's sleep. I didn't push it yesterday. I think overall it was kind of worked out, and I got a lot of miles in already early this morning, um, and I was going to leave the campsite when the machine, my buddy I've been hiking with for a couple days, poked his head out of the tent, and I, I thought he would be further, but he was right there, so I was happy to see him. Um, so now we are heading off together towards Crater Lake. <sighs> Feeling pretty good. Feet are bruised and just kind of sore and in a lot of pain. But, uh, other stuff feels pretty good. That's all for now. So, speaking of sunrises, Benjamin really wanted to catch the sunrise over Crater Lake. But since you can't camp at the rim, the plan was make it to Crater Lake the night before, camp nearby, and then wake up crazy early so he could hike a couple hours to the rim for sunrise. What's up, camera? I'm Sausage Boy. Uh, we got up about 3.30 this morning, hiked up the rim trail to Crater Lake. And right now we're looking out over a really cool view and waiting for the sun to come up and make some pretty colors. We're both really excited for it and proud of doing this. I was oh, yeah. so excited to hear Benjamin looking out over the sunrise on Crater Lake, describing the beauty and the majesty and the colors and having this moment. And instead... This is what the recording sounded like. So that's what we get of Crater Lake. Wind sounds and the distant chatting of two guys sitting in front of the sunrise at 5.30 in the morning. But I can tell you this. I saw a photo Benjamin took from the rim of the lake, looking out over the sunrise. And it's incredible. 
this glassy water that looks almost like molten silver, surrounded by a dark, backlit crater's edge. And then off in the distance, the fiery sun peeking over the horizon. It's exactly that moment when night turns to day. And a part of me is glad that he had that moment to himself. We don't get to hear what he's saying. He won't be able to listen back to it either. Instead, it gets to crystallize in his memory. A moment he couldn't capture with his voice memo app. Just a wash of colors, set to the soundtrack of wind in a microphone. You've been listening to The Attempt, produced by me, Julia Drachman, with editing help from Doug Byers. We are a production of Bad Cat Media, created in partnership with The Trek, a media company dedicated to thru-hiking and long-distance backpacking enthusiasts. Find all of the episodes of The Attempt at thetrek.co slash theattempt. You can find more information about Bad Cat Media, learn about our board game, at badcat.media. You can also follow us at badcat underscore media on Instagram and Twitter, where I like to post photos and behind-the-scenes content about the attempt. The music you heard in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. Next episode will be out in a week. Dude, your fucking mom is cares about you. Just... Let her check in with you. And they were saying, yeah, I'm not going to call her all the time. I was like, call your mom. Jesus.